Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Megan Kelly, welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. Later today, we're going to get to these violent riots happening overseas. What a time for France. I just left there. All hell broke loose. Uh, so we'll get to what it means and how it may dovetail into some of the things we've seen in our own country over the past few years. But we begin today with the fallout from the U.S. Supreme Court's rulings last week. Uh, it continued over the weekend with some hysterical press reaction related to affirmative action. Asians were apparently never being discriminated against, according to the mainstream media. It was just the evil white people who led them to falsely believe that. It's always great to talk to my friend Mark Stein, host of The Mark Stein Show, which is available everywhere and on Stein, S-T-E-Y-N, online.com. Mark, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be with you, Megan. Great to have you. So it's so crazy when you read the reaction to the Supreme Court saying, uh, affirmative action will be struck down. Uh, race based admissions policies are contrary to the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. And the left reacting with there was never any discrimination. It's just the evil white people who led the Asians to believe that. Before I play you some of the sound bites, let me read you what at least one honest writer in The New Yorker said explicitly. All right. So they've already given up the game. Some lefties have already admitted, yes, we've been doing it. Here's the truth, saying the evidence the plaintiffs had amassed that Harvard in particular discriminated against Asian applicants through a bizarre and unacceptable, quote, personal rating system is overwhelming. And indeed, that's true. I mean, the court laid it out in great detail how they'd been using personality scores to to get yeah. rid of the Asians to say yeah. in the yeah. same way they yeah. used to do with the Jews. This time it was they had too many Asians who were above the grade. They had to find some way of telling them they didn't qualify for admission and they used their personalities to get rid of yeah. them. So, yeah. you know, if you'd replaced Asian with black, these same leftists who are now disputing that New Yorker piece uh, would, would be outraged. But now, since it's Asian-Americans who benefited and arguably blacks who didn't, they've got to push ridiculous narratives like this one from NPR. Listen to this, Mark. There is no evidence that there's a practice of anti-Asian discrimination. Predominantly white conservative political forces are leveraging this experience of being racially marginalized among Asian Americans to say, yeah, and by the way, there's this policy that you're not benefiting from. I feel like Asian Americans have been used 
The myth ignores the long legacies of systemic racism faced by Black Americans. It ignores selective recruiting of highly educated immigrants. And it enforces a false story about Asian Americans who are not a monolith. That is their latest position, that they were basically smart enough to get into Harvard, but too dumb to realize that they were just political pawns of the whites. Yeah, I can't get over the naked racism, actually, about Asians here, because this whole personality thing is uh, like, uh, oh, yes, they're very brainy. They're awfully good at at mathematics. If you hold a math contest, they uh, a train is approaching at 57 miles an hour and another one's <laughs> coming towards it at 38 miles an hour. They're, boom, yeah, I got it. Uh, they're fabulous for that, but let's face it, they're totally boring. I mean, this is basically... I can't get over that. This is like the old racist gag from however many decades ago. You know, all Chinese uh, look alike. All Chinese have the same boring personality. But you can. It's amazing. But they've, got, they've gotten away with it. Um, quite. They've gotten away with it in the interests of this absurd, complex, progressive apartheid that's been erected in this country. And the NPR story is fascinating where they say, oh, yeah, these. These Asians, they're all very brainy when it comes to these math questions at, uh, you know, the grade school math question. But they're actually patsies. They're rubes. They're dupes, which is why the knuckle dragging white redneck is able to use them as a front for overturning affirmative action. I honestly, uh, I, I looked it up, actually. A professor at Duke University ran the numbers on how it would go if they had meritocratic admissions at Harvard. In other words, if they didn't grade you on your boring personality, uh, <laughs> 51.52% of the student body would be Asian and 36.54% would be white. That's how it would go on meritocratic admis- admissions. So uh, this attempt from the rubble of the Supreme Court decision to reconstruct uh, a coalition of the minorities uh, actually, you know, a- Asians on a meritocratic business, according to this study from Duke University, would have actually the majority of places at Harvard. Right. Of course. I, I mean, that there is something in the Asian culture, which is to be admired, that mm. dedicates itself, that in which parents, rich and poor, are committed to education to studying hard, to pushing academics, that's to be applauded. I mean, I, I, I've i talked about this with Amy Chua many times who wrote mm. Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. She's the yeah. t- original Tiger Mom um, mm. about how she's committed to this. She teaches at Yale Law. So does her husband. She has two daughters who went, I think, to Harvard and Yale and same with with respect to their graduate studies. And um, I, I'm just not willing to push my kids that hard. You know, I have a different approach than she does. That's fine, right? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It leads to different results at the college level if they're not coming up with these false justifications, as you point out, that the Asians are boring and therefore can't yeah. get into Harvard. And But now the line has to be, it can't be that the Asians actually were pissed off about this, Mark. It has yeah, to be yeah, yeah. the evil white man exploited yeah. them yet yeah. again. It's the whites' fault. Yeah, the the stupid white guys who would only make up 35% of the student body, nevertheless, are wily, cunning enough. Uh, (laughs) This comes back to the Chinese personality, the Asian personality defects are so bad that they don't even know 
moronic white men whose IQ is a fraction of theirs are, are pulling the wool <laughs> over their eyes. The thing about this, I find it, my kids, you know, who went to a little New Hampshire grade school where there were between, in each year, there were between like nine and 17 students, not a lot of them. But all the kids throughout northern New Hampshire, all whenever they took part in these, I think it's called mathletes, uh, these math competitions, they'd all game it out beforehand and they'd say, oh, wait a minute, we're, we're playing some school down from southern New Hampshire where it's some fancy town where all the rich parents have adopted uh, Chinese babies, so they're going to win. And the whole the whole thing was that oh we we haven't got we've got somebody we've got no Chinese people so we're screwed. The school down the road has got uh, a a kid whose mother is is uh, Asian, so uh, they're going to do better than us. They made joke when they're seven years old. They're making jokes about this thing, and and mm -hmm. you notice it. You know this. I I, I was walking down uh, Wigmore Street in London. Uh, a couple of months ago, and I suddenly noticed that on all the posters for the classical music recitals at the Wigmore Hall, everybody who's playing a cello now in any capital city around the world appears to be Asian, because as you say, uh, that's one of those disciplines that Asian parents value, teaching their kids to play chamber music, uh, while we're uh, teaching them uh, 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 that there are 57 genders or whatever it's up to now. It's not right. hard to figure how it's, how it's going to go. Uh, you look at the international rank. Uh, there's a reason for this. And the racism here, the naked racism, which appears to say, oh, yes, these, these guys have fantastic big brains. Yes, they can play the cello brilliantly. Yes, they're multiplication skilled. But let's face it, they all bore the socks off us. They've got away with that for the entirety mm -hmm. of the 21st century at American universities. And it's absurd that it takes, uh, you know, nine judges on some court uh, to tell them, actually, this is totally racist and you shouldn't be doing it. Right. The, 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 the answer now from the left is it's not our racism that was keeping them out of Harvard. It was their stupidity in not realizing they were being used by the white man yeah. to pursue yeah. a case that that they lost when they brought it in the name of a white woman, which is true. They, they had a white woman who, who sued and she didn't get as far as they did in this case. The facts were all there. Here's the thing. It's part of a pattern, as you know. It's not just the left trying to run cover in the wake mm. of this decision by saying the white man screwed over the Asians and the Asians just yeah, didn't yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, You've yeah. got people doing this to blacks who are conservative from the dawn of time. Yeah. We pulled this yeah. soundbite from Ellie Mistel, who uh, writes for The Nation and is an MSNBC contributor, yeah. talking about Clarence Thomas, who he absolutely loves to hate because Clarence yeah. Thomas he you know, he's an Uncle Tom. He's been called that. And and so they do the same thing to blacks if they're conservative. Here's an example. Like he is such a mutilated version of a black justice that he is able to make these proclamations that, that just fly in the face of law and facts. Right. One of the other things that you really realize when you when you read through his concurrence is just how angry he is at Katanji Brown Jackson for having the mm -hmm. temerity to be another black person on the Supreme Court. He apparently thought that he got to be the only one. He basically throws a tantrum at Jackson. And why? Because Jackson is making the actual originalist argument in the affirmative action case. And that's why he's so fabulous about 
all of the stuff that's in his concurrence. He just he's just like plucked out his own eyes and he doesn't want to see anything that Miss Jenny tells him he shouldn't be able to see. Oh, there yeah. it is at the end. His white wife is pulling yeah. the strings on this yeah. black justice. You get it? That's fine to say. Yeah. Yeah. So so like the black man is so stupid that it's his uh, dominatrix of a white wife who's running everything. And likewise, all these brilliant uh, Chinese classical musician uh, math uh, students uh, are actually no better than the Chinese laborers working on the Transcontinental Railroad uh, 150 years ago. This is the, the, all the arguments that are made uh, in favor of what has what is actually now a more complex system of apartheid than South Africa had, but it's progressive apartheid, so it appears to be cool with people. But they all they all basically make the fact make make the case that uh, these minorities are too stupid. So that you can't have voter ID uh, when you go to vote in an American election uh, because it's racist. Why is it racist? Well, because blacks are too stupid to get ID. They can get ID if they're in Botswana. Uh, they can get ID if they're in Kenya. Uh, they can get ID if they're in Rwanda. But funnily enough, in uh, in America, it's uh, they're too stupid to get ID. Or I have no idea. Uh, with respect to Clarence Thomas, I didn't read that as an angry judgment. In fact, given what he's been through in American life, he's actually one of the, I would say that one of the, he, he has a calmness and an equanimity uh, that is extremely rare given, given what he's been subjected to. And uh, mm -hmm. this idea that once you're in your identity box, you can only be one kind of person. Uh, is actually one of the most racially condescending and and revolting ideas. It's a terrible thing, it's this. This whole apartheid thing. The 14th Amendment is a great thing. We should start treating people as individuals again. So that black guy may be a genius, and that black guy over there may be a totally disreputable slug, but the uh, color of his skin uh, has got nothing to do with it when it comes to the law, when it comes to Ghana University or to anything else. They're citizens, which is a concept in almost terminal decline in this country. Mm. It, it, the nerve to suggest that Clarence Thomas has to answer to Miss Ginny for his opinions yeah. as if she is driving anything Clarence Thomas does. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. Anybody no. else would be fired for such a comment. But well, you're allowed to say that stuff about Justice Thomas. No, I mean, it's absolutely revolting. I, I was at some event with them uh, a little while back. They, they seem to be actually a very nice uh, couple. Uh, he's not the guy he's portrayed as. I mean, I I... What I he's got this fat you probably know this, Megan, but he's got this fantastic huge laugh. The laugh of yeah. a man who finds something genuinely funny. He's not applauding, it's not the laugh you hear from a late show, uh, tonight show audience where you're it, it's a phony laugh applauding yourself for holding the correct attitude. It's a great mm -hmm. big bear laugh of somebody who is taking genuine pleasure in life's great comedy. And the idea that he's bitter or angry or all the rest of it. I must. I always love having him uh, in the audience because he's the equivalent of the guy holding up the cue cards saying, please <laughs> laugh. If you've got Clarence Thomas there, 
you can make something. Yeah, you can like something that it's not terribly funny, but he roars with laughter, and it starts off the crowd and sweeps it all up to the back of the far balcony. Uh, he's he's an, he's the opposite of the way of the the. The, the stupid cartoons that the left creates of its enemies bear no relation well, to how they really are. It's that sense of humor that's probably gotten him through all these years on the Supreme Court. You'd, he, mm. you'd need it. Uh, mm. Third and also equally stunning example of the left doing this comes from Jen Psaki at MSNBC. Yeah. She now has a failing Sunday TV show over there. No one's watching it, um, probably because of drivel like this. But now she's saying that to the extent we've seen we've seen Armenians out in California who tend to be Christian. Uh, we've seen Muslims in, I think it was Maryland and another state come out now. Same as many white people and, and, and many uh, Catholics and many Christians have in various states to protest the exclusion of parents from the agendas in these schools, which are becoming more and more radical on the LGBTQ issue. And um, so Muslims re most recently came out protesting in Maryland. And, you know, th you you could go back a long ways to find out why Muslims object to the LGBTQ agenda, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. way it's currently being taught in particular. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not how Jen Psaki, formerly of uh, this White House, the spokesperson mm -hmm. for Joe Biden, sees it. Listen to this drivel. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the U.S. population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans, transgender people. It's important to remember that back in 2011, during the Republican primary, the right wing had designated Muslim Americans as public enemy number one. No surprise, given that conspiracy theorists, remember the birthers? I do had been trying for years to portray President Obama as a Trojan horse for Sharia law. Now fast forward eight years, and the right wing has focused their fear mongering on trans people. And who better to go after the new enemy than the old enemy? Let's be clear. This is the same old GOP playbook. Another cynical ploy to tear at the fabric of our society and damage the idea that out of many, we are one. All because they want so desperately to regain the White House. Whitey yeah. is at it again. It's the yeah. whites trying to pit the loving Muslims who have always been pro LGBTQ against mm. the poor trans people. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to meet white men like this. They're so cunning. They can, they're one minute there duping the poor old Asian math genius into doing their bidding. <laughs> Next, Next, the fire-breathing imam from the local madrasa. They just seem able to hoodwink everybody. This is they got the I imam out of his out of his marching at the pride parade to instead yeah. go over to the school board protest meeting. How did they do it? Yeah, no, it's. A, I mean, I remember um, just a couple of years ago, Justin Trudeau up in uh, Ottawa. He wore Muslim socks during the gay pride parade and i said whoop-de-doo why don't you wear the gay socks at, uh, at the muslim parade this is what you might call uh, if you were karl marx the internal contradictions of diversity anyone who knows anything about islam knows that it's uh, not in the least bit keen on homosexuality, and they pass no. laws in a lot of uh, a lot of countries, uh, actually um, uh, pass uh, giving you the death penalty if if you're uh, uh, if you're caught at it. And the idea that 
uh, they would be this particular last Pride Month where it's all been sort of intensified and accelerated. There was a there's a fantastic uh, clip out there on the Internet of a uh, that some (laughs) young Muslim lad recorded in a Calgary schoolhouse where the sort of progressive uh, teacher is rebuking them for not coming to any of the pride events. She's saying, well, we went to all your Eid events for Islam, so we were there for you. Uh, so why aren't you coming to all the LGBTQ events? And the Muslim oh, kids start laughing, and she rebukes it. She goes, it's not a joke, Ahmed. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a fantastic moment, because there is actually... <laughs> Uh, and it's interesting to me that it's happened actually all across the map this last this last Pride Month. They're not going they're not going along with it. And if you know any and if you know anything about like the most tolerant liberal cities in Europe, Amsterdam, uh, suddenly they had uh, an epidemic of gay bashing and all the gay bars st- started closed down. The gay pubs in the East End of London have closed down. Now, why would that be? Uh, might that be something to do with the internal contradictions of the Rainbow Coalition? I mean, this idea that it, it's the white man manipulating it. Th- this is, Ugh. I would imagine that uh, the uh, the average white guy, he's looking at the uh, the uh, Muslims uh, in, in Hamtrak in uh, Michigan, where there's a fantastic, hilarious piece where when the first Muslim council in America was elected in that town, uh, the Guardian ran a column saying, oh, we were all there for you when you got elected the first Muslim council. We thought this was brilliant, a great victory for diversity. And now you're saying you refuse to fly the rainbow flag. Oh, my word, I never saw that coming. (laughs) Diversity in the historical, in, in the big picture, diversity is just an interim stage you know and if you it, when you're up against people who are serious as opposed to believing all the 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 pretty uh, prancing unicorn myths you understand that diversity is generally just an interim stage well and, and as we've just discussed with the asians uh with what they do to conservative blacks in america this is another diminishment of Muslims in America as you're just too stupid to realize yeah. you are being manipulated. You can't have a genuinely held belief. In this case, I'll tell you what it's actually about that's getting them to protest. Mm. But you, but whatever it is, you're not allowed to have it. It's just the white man mm. convincing you you feel that way. So let's dig a yeah. little deeper on what they're act, what she's actually reacting to. You mm. have hundreds of Maryland parents protesting uh, in Montgomery County, which is very blue. Why Mm. are they mad? What actually drags a parent out on a weekend to Mm. to protest? It has to be a lot. Parents are busy. You know, they've got jobs. They've got kids. Mm. They don't really have a lot of time to protest, but they did it on Tuesday outside the Board of Education meeting because Maryland's largest school district will not allow them to opt out their children from books and lessons that have certain LGBTQ lessons that they find objectionable. Maryland Mm. state law doesn't allow the opt out provision unless it's a specific unit on sex ed. And this isn't technically sex ed. They've folded it in under English language arts curriculum. And these parents think it's inappropriately sexual 
and has messages with which they do not agree when it comes to trans people. And so Mm. they're going out there saying you can teach what you want. They're not saying you have to shut down the lesson plan, but there are kids and we should be permitted to be able to opt them out. And the school says, no, you can't. Your kids will sit there. In fact, the quote from the president of the district's teachers union is as follows. Students must have texts that reflect the many identities people have. They must. You may not opt your child out of those texts or the lesson plans and so on. And so they came out to protest. Similarly, they did the same in Dearborn, Michigan, not long ago. And still, this doesn't get covered on its substance, a debate about whether the parents are right or wrong or what's in the text. It gets covered by MSNBC as the white man is evil and manipulative, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And and in fact, this is the again, this ties back to what we were talking about with why 52 uh, percent of the student body at Harvard would be Asian, because this is a compl- I'm really the last person to ask about this, uh, Megan, because uh, I, I went to an English boys school and we were expected to pick up all this uh, sex stuff in our own time. You know, they didn't really care. Uh, what it was we were into, but they didn't think it was something you needed to teach in a classroom. They thought the classroom was there to teach you arithmetic and uh, Latin and uh, biology and all the rest of it. And if you wanted to learn about various sex acts, which is a lot of what these so-called textbooks are about, you were supposed to pick it up uh, behind the bicycle sheds during recess and not expect teacher to know anything (laughs) about it. And so we have completely inverted the principle of education here uh, to the point that it has become, I I don't think it's an exaggeration. I mean, I'm absolutely astonished by the sexual explicitness of some of these books because uh, it is, it's teaching what used to be regarded as fairly abstruse Uh, sexual practices that anybody who is remotely interested in them, that interested in them, uh, should be able to find out about on their own time. And the idea that you actually teach it to seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, this is actually a form of child abuse. It's the sexualization of childhood. Um, And apart from anything else, it's contributing to the great moronization of society. You know, we're wasting our... You have a... Basically, if you if you uh, I'm I'm relaxed about high school and university, but if you screw up uh, K through eight, uh, the kid up till, you know, 12 or 13 years old, it's virtually impossible to recover from that. Even if you keep him in school, as Joe Biden wants to do until grade 27, grade 32, whatever it is. The fact the fact is, if you screw up K through eight, which is what all this rubbish is doing. Um, is uh, it gives you a huge divide. I mean, you don't. It's not difficult to figure out who's going to rule uh, the future. Um, uh, we're teaching our kids about uh, uh, obscure niche boutique sex acts, and the Chinese are teaching them mathematics and chamber music. Not difficult to figure out who's going to win on that one. And you know what? In that Maryland, in that Montgomery County, Maryland protest, indeed, um, these controversial books were for every grade level, including kindergarten to fifth grade. And that's where the curriculum was the most controversial. These parents are being told, you must let us have access to your kindergartner with Mm. this kind of material. And the Mm. parents are saying it's a no. I'll leave you with this Mm. and then we'll squeeze in a quick break. The sub headline in that NPR article we were discussing about all the poor, dumb Asians, really smart and really dumb at the same time. Sub headline is 
the promise of proximity to whiteness and power has radicalized some Asian Americans on the right. This is what they uh, say about people. Same thing with blacks who are conservative. You're, you're power adjacent and and women who don't go along with the wokeness. We're, mm, we're power mm. adjacent, you see, because we're close. <laughs> the, the men need us. So we're just basically pandering to the men going along with like there can be no agency for anybody who's technically in a minority or targeted no. group. We're all just rubes being forced to go yeah. along with the cis normative hetero white patriarchy that controls our that's you mark that is you sir I'll give you the last yeah, word yeah it's it's like a fancy restaurant where you can't you're never going to make it to the best table but they'll 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 find one that's adjacent you'll be you'll be <laughs> like power table adjacent and that's, that's right and that's you'll sell the, out your friends who are, are back by the bathrooms just to move up yeah. a little that's the that's the yeah. theory of life yeah. On the left. All right, Mark Stein yeah. stays with us. A lot, lot more to get to, including what's happening in France and what's happening with Hunter Biden. We'll get to all of it next. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So, Mark, what the heck's happening over in France? As I understand it, it started with police pulling over a 17-year-old man. I think they... I'm. I'm trying to remember his exact heritage, but of Nigerian or Moroccan descent, yeah. Moroccan, I think. And um, yeah. he was shot. They shot him and he and fatally after he had run a red light and failed to comply, allegedly, when they told him to pull mm. over and the thing escalated. And now it's it's turned into several days of fiery, violent protests to the point where Macron mm. had to bring up forty five thousand cops mm. in France, which is a big number there to yep. finally get some sort of peace going. But it's still it's still been pretty violent. Now, I mean, like they have pr protests in France a lot. The history yep. of the country is to do this kind of thing when you're unhappy. But it's extraordinary, even for France now. And um, this sort of gets at the heart of what's happening in France in, in some other ways with the immigrant and in particular the Muslim community there that in large measure has not assimilated and there are resentments for, over that, which are now taking part in some of the news coverage. So what do you make of it? Well, I love uh, France. Um, as, as you know, I, I had a heart attack in France and the French medical system uh, saved my life. I was uh, within 15 minutes of uh, death, the very uh, charming Provencal nurse said to me. So I'm very grateful to France and I would regret if, if, the, if the French state were to collapse. But you have these, uh, what they call the lost territories of the Republic, which are these suburbs where they warehouse 
the immigrant communities, as you say, mostly Muslim. And basically, the writ of the French state does not run there. And when these two sides, the French state and then Les Banlieues, the immigrant ghettos, when they uh, intersect in bad ways, as they did with this 17-year-old boy, these guys are bust out of there. And uh, they're now the totality of the French cities. I think we're just, I think that was the Place de la Concorde we just said. So that's the most heart of tourist France. The Champs-Élysées, the the great fashion street, they're going down there. They're looting. Those shops are all boarded up. Uh, The president has had to cancel a state visit to Germany. And the view on the right is that this stuff is spiraling out of control every time it happens and that uh, and that eventually it will consume the whole country now the the left on the other hand feel it's all you know the the stuff you hear here uh, systemic racism and and all the rest of it i was interested in all the celebrities who jumped in on the side of this 17 year old who got shot uh, in Annecy, uh, which is just uh, south of Geneva, about 40 minutes south of Geneva, four toddlers were stabbed by a Muslim immigrant in a park there, a beautiful park. I was in it myself not so long ago, standing there looking at the lake, looking at the Alps behind the lake on the far side and thinking this is about as far from the woes of the world as you could ever get. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guy comes in and he stabs two and three year old children. And it's interesting okay. to me that that doesn't galvanize the media. That doesn't get the celebrity class wanting to weigh in on things uh, in the way. So we're, so we're awfully selective about what matters and what doesn't. Uh, and mm-hmm. that in itself is causing a whole level of cynicism among the French people. Well, now the left is trying to use this incident to sort of say the French are racist and they've got a racism problem that they now finally have to address. The U.N., the U.N. weighs in, Mark, Mm. with the following, um, (laughs) calling on France to address its, quote, deep issues of racism and discrimination in law enforcement. The U.N. is in no position to lecture anyone on anything relating to morality. But this Mm. is the new narrative that France and its cops are racists. And not looking at, you know, actual behavior by, in this case, a law, a lawbreaker. I don't know why he d- needed to be shot or whether he didn't need to be shot. We'll we'll figure that mm. out. But that's a law enforcement investigation. And not so much, as you point out, about, for example, what happened with this with these rioters who actually seriously hurt um, a suburban Paris mayor's home and wife. Listen yep. to this from the BBC. Attackers in France tried to set fire to the home of a suburban Paris mayor's home overnight, firing rockets at the officials, Mm. fleeing wife and children. Mm. The wife, the the mayor, uh, Vincent, was not home, but his wife suffered a broken leg and a child was also hurt as she ran with her two children, ages five and seven, from the home. And then they were attacked by the mob with firework rockets. The mayor yep. came out and called it a, called it a, an attempted murder of unspeakable cowardice. How this is not the headline anywhere is is a mystery to me. Instead, it's about what a racist country France is. Well, well, the, the French police uh, are are not in the least bit racist in that in the sense the UN means. I, I spent a lot of time in that terrible year, whatever it was, five or six years ago, 
when the truck mowed down uh, all those people on Bastille Day in France and when the uh, priest was decapitated as he was saying mass. Uh, and it was a terrible year in France. I, and I went to places I wouldn't normally go to. And I was very interested in the police. A lot more of them, of the police officers, are black and Muslim than you would expect. That, that was one of my first Im impressions. The second impression is that they were completely stressed out at being on a kind of permanent red alert, trying to hold the lid on the powder keg. Uh, and and it, there was a slightly absurd. I I I went to uh, San Pay and you know on the nude beaches there. There's all these. I was there literally uh, one week ago. Yeah, and and it's all very nice, and people are are lying there on the nude beaches, nude, <laughs> and then there's guys in the full RoboCop patrolling <laughs> among them <laughs> with machine guns, and that is the. And you know, for me, it's it, when I think of Saint Tropez, it's like always 1967 and Brigitte Bardot. And so I'm trying to wrap my head around this no. new look Saint Tropez, uh, and 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 that's the problem. There's a con there's a contradiction here. The cynics at the top level of the French state think you can hold this, you can keep these people in these awful barns, which are absolutely terrible, ugly, uh, the ugliest public housing, I think even uglier than, you know, Cabrini Green or whatever in Chicago, yeah. terrible, lifeless, soulless places. But the, the French make the point, well, you know, the, the Portuguese and the Spanish lived there in the 50s and 60s, and they managed to bust out of there and, uh, and, and get themselves a better life. So it's not our fault. And they can't and 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 they can't hold the lid on this, because as you as you say in that story of the attack on the mayor's wife and the mayor's children, when the bloodlust is up, there are no restraints here. Mm. You know, I it's just a part of a bigger problem, right? They've had mass migration into France. Mm. Uh, there is a large community of people that refuses to assimilate. Ayan Hirsi Ali has written an entire book mm -hmm. about what's happening, not just in France, but other European countries. Mm -hmm. There's resentment uh, at not the the different color of the people coming in, but at their refusal to adopt French culture. If you want to move to France, then mm -hmm. then act like a Frenchman. You know, you cannot force mm -hmm. your values and morals about the way women dress and so on on us. And um, it's festering now. And this is just one way in which it appears to be manifesting. It's dark. We'll see. I will say one other thing. Um, Elton John, who just publicly announced, I guess he's not going to come to the United States anymore because of our LGBTQ policies right, here. Right. We're not left enough for him. He was fine mm. partying with Macron. He doesn't care. Like, yeah. I guess the police shooting, that, that's fine. He That's where he, he doesn't draw the line. And Macron, like a yeah. dope, went out and had a ha was caught on camera partying with Elton John while his country was burning, which is just no. a stupid ass thing to do, Mark. No, absolutely pathetic. He's supposed the thing I quite like about Macron is that he's not a man of the people. He stands on his dignity. <laughs> he thinks he's Monsieur le Président de la République, and you have to uh, treat him with the appropriate dignity. And then he's just like this pathetic little fanboy. <laughs> over over <laughs> Sir Elton. Oh, I got to get backstage and have my picture taken with Elton, uh, which I think was <laughs> I think was I like Elton. God bless him, but he has like a huge blind spot on certain on on certain issues. 
And uh, I think this is, uh, who was it he fell out with? Uh, Dolce and Gabbana, when he fell out with them, uh, he had some big falling out with them and he kept it up for about two weeks. And then he was seen in dark glasses, surreptitiously slipping into the <laughs> Dolce and whatever it was, whatever Italian store it was. And uh, I think that's how his boycott of America is going to be. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and his, his, his co-writer, Bernie Taupin, lives in the United States and keeps writing all these songs like Philadelphia Freedom. You know, so half of Elton's catalog is going to be he's going to be singing show tunes uh, for an hour and a half in the evening. Uh, if you eliminate what? all the <laughs> songs of his that aren't praising America. I mean, I was at Rush Limbaugh's wedding where Elton John mm. performed and Rush mm. wasn't exactly a leader of the LGBTQ community. Elton mm. seemed to cash the check and have no problem with it. And I predict mm. that's how his future activism in this lane is going to go as well. If there's a willing participant mm. to pay for the tickets, he'll be there. Um, mm. OK, let's switch and spend a minute on domestic politics here in the States, because everywhere over the weekend, I don't know if you saw, but everywhere was this ad promoting Ron DeSantis as this culture warrior fighting the LGBTQ agenda and calling out Trump for being more sympathetic to the agenda. My understanding is this is not a DeSantis ad, but his campaign war room mm. retweeted it. And thus it's, it's been hung around his neck. So far, it doesn't seem like Team DeSantis minds. Here is, we, we can play the whole thing. It's only a minute. Here is the ad, the, the, the bit that's causing all the controversy. I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens. If Caitlyn Jenner were to walk into Trump Tower and want to use the bathroom, you would be fine with her using any bathroom she chooses. That is correct. In the future, can transgender women compete in this universe? Yes. Make America great again. Psych! Okay, so now for the listening audience, they're showing clips of DeSantis comparing him to Christian Bale's American Psycho, looking yeah. like Tom Tom Cruise in Top Gun, um, the Wolf of Wall Street, the real wolf is here. I'll do you the favor of not playing you the whole song because it is impossible to get it out of your head after you yeah, listen yeah. to it. And now, Mark, we have even some on the right, like Rick Grinnell, who's a Trump guy, log cabin yeah. Republicans who are gay Republicans who have you know, sort of formed mm. uh, a group. And they, I think they're also pro-Trump, but they're calling this extremely and utterly uh, homophobic. Team DeSantis doesn't seem to think so. What do you make of it? Well, uh, I think that it, it's Trump is vulnerable on this because when he's with an audience, he he generally wants them to like them. So if you put him in front yes. of a gay audience, He'll be saying things to them that are pro-gay. The the so uh, Caitlyn Jenner line uh, about he didn't care which bathroom Caitlyn Jenner used. I think that is a you know he didn't foresee that that was going to become the dominant issue. So that we're all going right. to be talking about transgender bathrooms when the Mullers nuke us. That's just the way our politics has become because the left has decided it's in favor of abolishing biological sex, which is a huge thing. 
And it's actually bigger than whether you get a cut in capital gains tax or whatever. It, it, it is something that should be discussed politically. And the point for DeSantis is that he's had huge success with this in Florida. So he's perceived as someone who can be opportunist on woke issues and it gets results for him. What I find more, um, what I find interesting about DeSantis is the last time I checked the, uh, you know, poll of polls at Real Clear Politics, he was averaging, I think, something like 21 percent in the, the, the poll yeah. of polls, he, which is 30 he's between 30 behind. and 40 points behind Trump. Yeah. Which is incredible to me because he is supposed, I mean, all the other guys, are, you know, Asa Hutchinson and Pence, these guys are jokes. They shouldn't be running. But a DeSantis ought to be a credible character. And I can't, in that sense, it's, it must be depressing to his guys that he's down there at 20%, as you say, 30 or 40 points be, uh, behind Trump. Trump, what Trump had in uh, 2015, when he came down that escalator and he started talking about Mexico not sending its best, is he was actually talking about, you know, to people all, you know, if you go uh, 50 miles in any direction from where I am right now, well, not uh, 50 miles north because you'll hit the Quebec border and uh, things are rather better up there, but you'll see towns that are totally depressed, uh, the mills have closed. The factories have closed. There's guys uh, that you can't move out of there because you're underwater on your house because you bought your house for 300 grand and it's now worth 120 grand. Uh, and your uh, daughter does the night shift at the quickie crap. And uh, your son uh, is a runs a meth lab because, frankly, that's a lot more interesting as a career. And uh, and Trump spoke to all those diminished, demoralized, screwed communities, the forgotten man, uh, uh, as we would have said uh, 90 years ago. And uh, this, what's happening, the, he, he's best when he does that. And this other side of him, which is basically the metropolitan Manhattan liberal who went to Hillary's wedding and all the rest of it. Yeah, he doesn't care about gays. He doesn't He doesn't care about race. He doesn't care. I mean, he, he lives on Fifth Avenue. Do you think he's never met a homosexual? That, uh, so obviously that's not a big that's not a big deal to him. But I'm well, Rick Grinnell sure is that, a homosexual. Rick Grinnell is the is yeah. openly gay and was the first openly gay cabinet member. Yeah. And actually, I think uh, he used to open in those days. Trump used to open his rallies with uh, Elton, whom we were mentioning, singing Tiny Dancer. And uh, I said I was trying to work out because he had Andrew Lloyd Webber the, uh, from Phantom of the Opera and he had something else there. And I said, I've worked out what it is. I said to him backstage, I said, these are all this is all music by tenants at Trump Tower. And he <laughs> congratulated me. <laughs> he could be, yeah, that's makes true. Andrew, sense. Uh, Andrew has the penthouse, and I think uh, Steven Spielberg is on the floor below. And um, <laughs> I, 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 and I, that's just how he is. He doesn't, he doesn't think about these things because he's in, he's in man. You can't walk down that street. Uh, you can't do business in that town without being relaxed about that stuff. Mm, and I think right. it's different for Ron. What, what Ron DeSantis needs to do, I think, I'm, I'm surprised he's at tw just at 20 percent. But he, he hasn't sort of fused all the wokery 
into some kind of larger vision. You know, I'm I'm concerned about the woke. I mean, basically, I'm concerned because Western civilization is uh, sliding off a cliff and we're all going to land in a big heap of rubble at the bottom. But you've got to, if you're going to go there, you have to sort of connect. Oh, did you see this wacky woke thing that's in the paper today? You've got you. It's not enough to do that. You've got to connect it uh, to a larger mm-hmm. vision of, of, mm-hmm. of what the underlying thing is. I feel like Trump hasn't really been asked about this, you know, at that pointless CNN town hall. Mm. She wanted to spend <laughs> the entire time asking about the 2020 election and stuff that yeah, liberals yeah. want to hear. And yeah. there there was nothing for the conservative audience that does have these concerns. It would have been interesting and newsmaking for her to see where he stands now on things like transgender bathrooms. Trump hasn't really had that put to him. I, you know, I haven't asked for Trump and I've been asking for DeSantis because I've never I've never talked to DeSantis, but I have talked to Trump. But I'm going to ask for Trump. I'm going to ask for Trump, too, because I'd love to go over some of this stuff with him and see whether his position has evolved as my own has in 2015. If you were going to listen to me talk about bathrooms, you would have heard very different messaging than today for the very reasons you just outlined, Mark. Yeah, no, I I agree. I well, my view on my view on it has has also changed mainly because the only people I ever knew who were transsexuals, as we said back then, uh, were in showbiz, and it seemed like a uh, it seemed to go with the kind of heightened reality of uh, of, of show business, and so I I thought of it like that. Now, when I see sad middle school girls transitioning to boys into boys and having their breasts amputated and putting up pictures of them with their scars on the internet, I think we're witnessing some vast human tragedy here. I don't care about Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner's rich enough to survive whatever uh, is, is going on. But these poor middle school girls across America are not. Yeah. And I think Caitlin's been fighting on our side on these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Caitlin would be the first to agree with you that Caitlin can handle Caitlin's own battles. Mark Stein, mm-hmm. it's always a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Always a pleasure to see you, Megan. And uh, happy Fourth of July. You're one Thank of you my very much. favorite, favorite rebel colonials. I'm looking forward to it as well. Talk to you soon, I hope. And don't forget, folks, uh, you can see the full coverage of our 4th of July celebration, complete with yours truly and all our friends in costume, reading the Declaration of Independence, doing other wacky things on Wednesday. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. GB News presenter, that's our... Those are our friends over in the UK trying to make Great Britain a little bit more fair and balanced. Um, GB News presenter Darren Grimes is with me now for the very first time on the show. Darren, welcome to the show. Megan, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So let me just kick it off with a quick question about France, since you're a lot closer to France than we are. Uh, and your take on what what is actually behind this, you know, what, five days of protest here? I mean, ultimately, Megan, the the death of, of this 17-year-old guy, if you are told by a police officer 
I'm sure even in America, as well as Britain, we agree on this, that if you are told by an armed officer of the law not to drive off in your vehicle, then you should not drive off in your vehicle. And what's happened now, I think this the death of the, the, this young guy is being used as an excuse to loot, to destroy, to burn and to steal. And there can be no justification for that much of a breach, a breakdown of the rule of law. Because ultimately, Megan, if you live in France, if you want to live in France, you ought to accept the French way of life. It's the same if you want to live in Britain. And we have a southern border problem in the same way that the United States of America does. And it all comes down to this fundamental point for me. It's a fundamental failure of multiculturalism across the West. Because, Megan, I don't know if it struck you, but it's an intriguing paradox that France is labelled as some kind of racist hellhole. And that's why there is this level of rioting on the streets today. But if France really is this, this racist hellhole that some claim it to be, why do we witness a flood of individuals from North Africa and elsewhere flocking to, to France's shores, to Europe and to Britain and elsewhere? Racial inequality is being used, as I say, as a convenient excuse to engage in criminal behaviour, wanton acts such as stealing, burning and destroying property. Because, Megan, I'm no expert, but ransacking Louis Vuitton ain't going to solve the ghettoization of certain French communities. So this is an excuse. We saw it in America and the BML riots that went on then, the looting, the stealing, the wanton acts of criminality. It's been used as an excuse in France. The rule of law has broken down, but I'm afraid it leads to the same conclusion, which is that in France, the flood of mass migration into Europe and the so-called multiculturalism and diversity that we're told is all so precious and the strength of our nations, it ain't working, folks. That's the be all and end all. And that's where most of the riots have taken place. We showed video a little while ago of um, protesters out by the Champs-Élysées. But that's the exception. For the most part, this has been happening in those neighborhoods where those immigrants live. And, you know, you no, know, these are not great neighborhoods. I mean, we've seen these as you as you if you come into Paris from Charles de Gaulle Airport, you'll see the, the it, it's crazy the way a lot of these immigrants are living. But France is largely socialist in its policies. It's like, how much more help can there be? The safety net in France is pretty significant. Um, they want more. They want more things from the French people and the French government. But they're not assimilating into the culture there. That's not to say anything about this particular 17 year old. But the divisions are growing. You know, this is a failed experiment of taking just masses from other countries who have really no interest in living comfortably as French citizens. Um, they yeah. want their own culture to start to dominate. And the hostilities are brewing, which is behind so at least some, some of what we're seeing. Absolutely, Megan. I mean, I've just watched a, a video with a group of, of fighting age young men at sea with Richard Gere. Now, Gere was arguing that we must support immigration to Europe, mass migration to Europe. It's useful idiots, I'm afraid, and Hollywood lovies like Richard Gere that are actually helping people that. smugglers and causing problems in Britain and in France and the rest of Europe. You know, we here in Britain, for example, like in America, that southern border migration uh, is 
well, one, it's illegal, but ultimately I don't ever think we should be accepting people. And I think France, many people in France feel the same way. It's why you're seeing a rise in support for the likes of Marine Le Pen. Because if you accept someone arriving illegally and say, look, we'll give you everything you ask for, we'll give you your bed, board and benefits, it shows wanton disregard for the laws of our land and frankly, the ability to disregard law and order. So I say no thanks and I make no apologies for that, Megan. The British media, the uh, politicians across the left, most politicians in Britain, if you say things like this, you are dismissed as being some kind of far-right, swivel-eyed bigot. But actually, Britain has a severe housing crisis. Our healthcare system is allowing many unnecessary deaths because we have a, a nutty socialist system in Britain and it cannot cope with the sheer number and volume post lockdown. And we don't have enough teachers or school places. You know, Britain and France cannot be the end destinations for every single economic migrant. And that's what they right. are, Megan, that want to come here. And nor do I think actually does the West have or Europe have a responsibility to the millions upon millions of people that would quite like to come to these economies over their host nations, their home nations. So we're seeing these tensions build up. And I actually predict, and this is an unhappy prediction, actually, but I predict that similar things are going to happen here in the United Kingdom as well, because we already see disputes on the streets of London over issues like the Iranian regime. We see in, in places like Leicester, we see disputes between Muslims and the Leicester Sikh community, for example, who are basically importing disputes from India, disputes from Iran and bringing them into British life. And we're saying, hang on a minute. You, if you come here, you're, you, you accept that you're a British citizen. We don't want that kind of drama being imported into this right. country. We've got enough problems. There's a reason your culture has evolved to where it has, thanks to generations of Brits who have chosen to live a certain way. Why would you just say, OK, we'll do it your way from your country where we never chose to live? None of our ancestors chose to live. We've been living under totally different standards and with totally different cultural values. You assimilate to us or go back home. Exactly. Beautifully put. I mean, it, were I to turn up in the United States of America tomorrow, Megan, and say, look, I'm applying for American citizenship. It's a, a beacon of hope and liberty to the world. But actually, folks, I'm going to demand on July the 4th that you guys accept the uh, supreme governorship of His Majesty King Charles III. <laughs> I imagine you'd give me very short shrift, Megan, and tell me I can sling my hook. And that's what we ought to be doing when it comes to We already to have a guy over here who's issues. trying to do that. His name is Prince oh, Harry. Oh, my word. He's trying to, he attacks our First Amendment every week. <laughs> and says that you need a king? Yeah. Well, he hasn't gone that far, but he <laughs> right, he says he doesn't okay. understand. He thinks the First Amendment is bonkers. He's suing all the <laughs> press. He's demanding our paparazzi return over their property, uh, their photos of him to him. He doesn't get it. So, yeah, we definitely don't need more Brits. We love you. Uh, but we don't need any more Brits coming over here trying to change our country to make it more British. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely right. And that's what this, the kind of rhetoric, that's what we should be saying sternly, frankly, openly, honestly to these people that come here and don't have any regard for the British way of life or the French way of life and actually just want to stir up trouble and resentment and demand more and more. We have it pretty good. And actually, we'd like to keep it pretty good. 
And we're seeing that those tensions start to tear away at the social fabric and actually the constitutional fabric in certain regards for certain respects. And if you basically, Megan, look, if I was in charge, I would say you can't speak the language. You come here illegally. You, You have no regard for the law and order, for our way of life. Then sod off if I can use a a British expression because we have absolutely no time and no place for you and we're full frankly you know we have no places for your children we have no places to for the translators required for you to you know come here and and be able to apply for certain things because you don't speak the language it's just a farce Megan and it's it's the the really powerful lobby that say, you know, the the UN do a lot of work in this issue, try and berate people into being told that they're bigoted, they're racist, they're resentful. Uh, they're, I, I dare say that that famous Hillary Clinton line, actually, of being a basket of deplorables. That's what you are if you actually argue that it's a really important key tenant of protecting nationhood and the nation state that people coming here to your nation damn well respect the laws and customs of said nation. And I just think that's not happening right now. And Douglas Murray wrote about this in 2017. He was writing about the strange death of Europe. And I think those chickens really are coming home to roost. And it's very depressing, Megan. I feel utterly despondent about it. There's uh, there's danger in you even speaking out about it because uh, we have we have newspaper articles today telling us that somebody else who's been outspoken about these issues, Nigel Farage, is getting frozen out of his bank accounts. We've seen reports here and there of this kind of thing happening in the States, though it's the exception, not the rule. Their PayPal tried to crack down on certain groups that had the wrong opinions and they said it was a big mistake. Never mind. Um, But this is a mystery what's happening to Nigel Farage, the leader behind Brexit. Brexit happened a few years ago, but he seems to be suffering some sort of retribution for it. That's what he claims, though the bank that's kicked him out in terms of all of his commercial accounts, which he says are the only ones that matter to him. His personal account is irrelevant to him, um, hasn't provided an explanation for why they suddenly cut ties, not just with him, but with his entire family. Darren, what's happening? It, it is extraordinary because actually the, the parallels between Brexit and the Trump revolutions are, I think, pretty stark because ultimately there are a certain very large, very powerful part of the United States press and, and media that will never, ever forgive Donald Trump for securing victory. Right. They will never, ever forgive the parts of the country that voted for him. You know, I'm from a working class area in the United Kingdom. I dare say where there are President Trump, we would have voted for him in the same way we voted for Brexit. And there are certain pockets here exactly the same as there are in America that will never, ever forgive us for that. Because it was the one time, Megan, that we said to them, look, we're not going to bend to the liberal left establishment demands to actually vote to stay in this sclerotic European bureaucracy. And as you say, Nigel Farage was at the forefront for many years, as long as I've been on this planet, actually, at the forefront of that debate. Now, the banking groups that he's been with since the 80s, 
you know, that cold-hearted bombshell there, informing them that they're closing his accounts. As you rightly say, even his family members have fallen victim to this, this banking purge. Now, it's not rocket science, right? Both here and in the States. Without a bank account, functioning in the modern world becomes as improbable as finding a straight heterosexual male on a television advert, Megan. You know, it's it's not just <laughs> Nigel and his family that are feeling the sting. We've had political parties. And guess what they all have in common, Megan? They back Brexit. All struggle to actually secure bank accounts. The podcast Trigonometry, Megan, I don't know if you've ever been on yeah, Trigonometry, actually. Yes, you I have. have. Yeah. Well, it was a while ago. And mm. as you know, Trigonometry, massively pro-free speech, a big platform that platforms people on the left and the right, some people who may say things that go against the establishment class and, and speak things that they don't want to hear. They had their bank account yanked from right under their feet as well. And there's a, a union called the Free Speech Union in this country. I know America has a, a similar outfit fighting for uh, amendment rights and, and free speech protections. We didn't have anything like that until the Free Speech Union quite recently came across. They've helped me out before, actually, for daring to air an interview against Black Lives Matter that I was investigated for under the law for daring to air. Now, they had their PayPal account held hostage, essentially, until the public actually said, hang on, I'm going to cancel my services with you if you don't allow us to be able to fund this outfit that's protecting our free speech rights. We've seen bank accounts removed, Megan, for saying sim simple facts like women don't have penises. So it's not just Brexit. It cuts across all of the, I guess, what you would call culture war divides, where if you're on the right, if you believe in the nation state, if you believe in the immutable fact of biological sex and, and reality and all of these things, then hold on tight because you're in for one hell of a ride. I mean, there was a, 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 a reverend in this country called Richard Fothergill, and he had his, just this week, he, he came forward in the Daily Mail and gave an account on how he offered his bank account, his banking branch, some polite feedback on the perils of modern day transgender ideology, because for all of Pride Month, of course, they were flying in these banks. You can barely get moved. It's enough to give an epileptic a seizure, this bizarre clown flag everywhere in a banking society. <laughs> I mean, you sort of think, Megan, it's a lot. I remember the days, it is a lot. I remember the days when banking societies used to care about giving us good mortgages, good interest rates, competing with each other on attracting our custom. These days, it's nothing more than woke virtue signaling. Now, this reverend pointed out the, the actual really quite dark and sinister side of much of the trans element of this movement. And for saying so, he was told in no uncertain terms, we're closing your account. He met the so disapproval. That was a crazy story. They opened it. it. They decided to go to make political statements about cultural issues that they really shouldn't be opining on as a bank. And he, as a customer, wrote them what he describes as a polite letter saying, could you get out of this lane and just cash the checks and cut them? And they said as follows. Um, this is amazing. They wrote that they have a zero tolerance approach to discrimination and that their relationship with the customer had irrevocably broken down. They're not married. 
There, this is a bank. <laughs> what do you mean it's irrevocably broken down? Absolutely. I, you know, at this point, I'm just saying, let, we're laughing about this, Megan, but it's actually incredibly serious. You know, wake up Britain because we are marching into a really dire situation. We're careening, really, towards a, a Chinese social credit system. If you say something that irks the gods of ESG, diversity and inclusion, we, we saw that video in 2017 of the BlackRock CEO saying that actually we need to force behaviours. Financial institutions, banking behemoths, are saying that actually you'll lose your access to bare essentials required for survival if you offend our ESG diversity and inclusion requirements and thresholds. Because they like diversity, Megan, but I tell you what, they don't like the diversity of thought. If you dare breach that and allow your free speech to run rampant, well, you're in for a world of pain. You cannot function in day-to-day -day life. For debunking, you will be de banked. And I say we've got to protect our speech. I wish, you know, my heart aches for the kind of free speech protections that the United States of America has. Because dare I say, Megan, that's the only reason that nutty, doddery old Biden isn't doing the same things that we're seeing in this country today. And that's under a so-called conservative party. We're at the tyranny of these banking behemoths. And free speech is in peril not just for Nigel Farage, but anyone that dares go against the establishment consensus and offer opposing, dissenting views so and speech. Is there an argument yeah. to be made that this is a necessary reset, that these banks doing this are really just showing their hand and that capitalism will necessarily lead to the rise of competing banks who are more than happy to take the money of conservatives? who exist in your country in very large measure, the same as they do in mine. You know, there's something about it that I, is mildly appealing to me. Like, great. Thank you so much for telling me that. Um, I, I, I no longer want to do business with you. If my mm. sincerely held beliefs, which are mainstream, they are they, maybe not everybody's expressing them, but the majority of Americans agree and P Brits agree with what you and I are saying about gender. Um, that if you don't want my business, I don't want to give it to you. And then necessarily we'll get a conservative PayPal. We'll get a conservative key bank or whatever the bank is that's at issue. There's something appealing and and sort of just more honest about that to me. I understand it could be problematic in the law in the short haul. It, it definitely, because one, there's the the idea that regulators are going to say, you know, well, do you meet the ESG requirements? Do you meet the the thresholds to actually operate in the United Kingdom or the United States? Even you know maybe perhaps they'll say you can't you can't actually open something that discriminates against non conservatives, which is perverse, right? Because they're discriminating against conservatives, but that's okay because you know we are the basket of deplorables. We are awful people. We have horrible views, like liking the nation state. How terrible! But the, but that's but, what's crazy. I mean, that's the truth about conservatives is the conservative bank would happily take the business of LGBTQ. They, they will Absolutely. take your thought process out of it. They'll go old school, like all are welcome to bank here. No, we're not going to support, quote, gender affirming care for minors. But that's your business. We're a freaking bank. 
absolutely. And I, I you know, I, I hope with every fibre of my being that we actually get back to that. But I think in, in a large way, th- this is actually going to happen more, perhaps more organically than that, because I think we're already starting to see a pushback against the the trans insanity that's sweeping across both of our nations. And actually, I think consumers are going to start to say, well, actually, if my bank is pushing these things, then I don't want to bank there. If my bank isn't going to say to Nigel Farage, you know, I, I'm not allowing you here, and he names and shames them. I dare say there would be a hell of a lot of pushback against those things. But I think the left is starting to eat itself, Megan. So you've got, uh, we, we had the Pride in London uh, on Saturday, just gone. And the Just Spoilt Brats or the Just Stop Oil Brigade, they were out and they were protesting against a Pride parade because... It's sponsored by woke capitalism, essentially, who are all on board with this ESG stuff and and actually on board with Net Zero. You've got you've got you've got a gay, a pride parade happening that has a corporate sponsor. I think it was Coca-Cola and the Just Stop Oil activists targeted the pride parade because not because they were doing anything to the environment, but because they had Coca-Cola as a sponsor. Yes, that is the left eating its own. And they were sponsored by the, one of the pride sponsors was an airline. So that was that was the argument wow. that if you can take cash from these corporates. But I think that's that's where it's going to start to to be torn down, because a lot of the left, I imagine the the, the somersaults going through their minds, the mental arithmetic of which diversity box, which identity box should I care about right now? Should it be the climate Greta death cult or should it be the pride, you know, I'm obsessed with getting into schools and indoctrinating children cult? Hmm, let me think about that. (laughs) And it must have been incredibly difficult for these left wing deers, Megan. (laughs) So let me ask you about pride because we've just finished. Did you guys have pride month in the UK? Oh, absolutely. It feels like it's been pride. Yeah. But yes, absolutely. Because I mean, obviously that was a pride event, but I didn't know if it was the full month. So, yeah, we're just we're just now over pride month. But there's a push up in north uh, by Justin Trudeau in Canada to make it pride summer. Uh, Admiral Rachel Levine, who is a man masquerading as a woman, says it needs to be pride season. So it's going to go on and on. And um, I've been asking all along, like, where I, if you're a conservative gay or lesbian person, you're not in favor of this nonsense that's going out with the, the leather and the bondage and the children and getting naked. And like, you know, you're not. But like, where is the gay community to stand up and say, would you stop? Because you don't represent me at all, even if you're a lefty, you know, even if you're a liberal gay person or a lesbian person. Right. And now we saw we saw a bit of it. There was an LGBTQ influencer uh, named by a uh, name of A.J. Sanchez who came out and had this is a little explicit, but, you know, I've got a potty mouth, so I'm in no position to judge who had this <laughs> message for the gay community and these pride events. And someone explain to me why I'm seeing all these pride videos, people in the streets acting like they ain't got no fucking home training. But us see Bucci, Chi Chi's all out on display for everybody to see. Middle New York, broad daylight, minors present. Like when it, since when is that okay, sis? Because it's not. See, I'm not giving royal family by any means, but bitch, time and place. And, th- and that was not it. They already don't fuck with us like that. And this is how you want them to perceive us. Pride is an event based around acceptance and equality, not an excuse for y'all to act a fucking fool. 
Yes, go AJ. <laughs> well said. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. I perhaps wouldn't have put it so eloquently as he did and using that <laughs> colourful language, shall we say. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it. it we're seeing the, the chickens come home to roost here as well. Actually, what the left are doing in... And it's described often as as being a, a little bit like St. George in retirement. So, you know, the, the fable of St. George, a great mythology and, and one that we hark back to often on St. George's Day in this country, where St. George slayed the dragon. But in retirement, Megan, perhaps he, he longed for the quest of another dragon, but all he could find were sheep and had to kill the sheep instead. Now, that's what these, these conti continuity... LGBTQ plus two spirit penguins, whatever they are these days, alphabet soup, clown car. Uh, I wish the clown car would, you know, go off into the sunset and never return again. But that's what these movements are doing. They want to keep the victim narratives going because that's what keeps them relevant. That's what keeps them receiving dollars, receiving pound sterling, receiving checks and support from corporates and all the rest of it. And it's it's driving society apart. If you consider the rapid uh, progression of gay equality in both the United States of America and in the United Kingdom, but in both countries, you're starting to see signs where people are saying, a red flag, a line has been crossed. You have brought children into this debate. You are suggesting that the medicalization and experimentation on children, where we're putting them on hormone treatments, puberty blockers, which we have absolutely no long-term data to tell us what the long-term consequences will be for perhaps bone deficiencies, brain development, your long-term prospects. We have no idea. We also have no idea how many of these detransitioning episodes, which we're already starting to see, will become clear over the next few years to come. And parents, not just parents, but many in these societies, in our societies, are saying, look, I was quite all right with Darren Grimes, you know, wanting to be free to I don't know, have a boyfriend or get even get married as long as it wasn't in the church. But I draw the line at this idea that we should be teaching gender ideology, this new ideology in schools where sex and gender are being taught to children as being able to switch on and off like a light switch, where Young girls, and this is what breaks my heart, Megan, actually, and I dare say, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I dare say you agree with me on this. Young girls who, and there is evidence to suggest this, may well have autism. They're going through puberty. They're not happy with their bodies, as many young children who go through puberty. I mean, I didn't like my body when I was going through puberty. Young people are being sold a lie and a promise that actually the solution to fix these issues is to get a mastectomy, is to take these medications, is to do generally irreversible things. And then happiness is just one surgery away. And what happens then, Megan, when people do 
go through with these surgeries. I mean, I don't know if you yeah. saw, but the the Bank of England, which is like, you know, our Fed, they actually came out today and said that any gender can get pregnant. This is our central oh, bank in Britain saying that any gender can get pregnant and that they will help people with gender uh, reassignment surgery. And you just sort of think this stuff is absolutely everywhere. And once so that starts that to become- so offensive. I'm just, I'm absolutely. sick of it. I'm, I, I don't want to see one more picture of chest feeding ever oh, on the no, internet. A man no. cannot chest feed or breastfeed. Whatever is being fed to that child is some bizarre, unfortunate mix of strong hormones. It's not breast milk. Grow up. Stop. Don't Absolutely. work out your mental illness on a baby. And and to have that sort of state sanctioning of the notion that a man can carry a baby or get pregnant is offensive to women, actual women, where it's one of the most miraculous things on earth and only we can do it. A beautiful thing. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the protections for for women. I, you know, I was raised exclusively by women, Megan. I, I know we might get on to the breakdown of marriage and what what that does to society but you know i was raised exclusively by women and it breaks my heart to see actually the the destruction and denigration of what it means to be a woman the the femininity and the beauty actually of of womanhood and and femaleness and that's being rendered irrelevant it's a deeply misogynistic movement but i also think it's a deeply homophobic movement perversely because actually it says sex doesn't exist and if sex doesn't exist then being homosexual does not exist i mean we had You're in this country Oh, absolutely. We had That's in what they country, complain. I've, I've been erased. They, it's dehumanized and erased me. Well, they're doing the same thing uh, to us. To and gays, if you say that, you down the list. you're a bigot. Absolutely. Okay, you say that, fine. you're a bigot. You know, you're, you're not a feminist. You're a bigot. You're a discriminatory bigot. And mm -hmm. I reject that. But we had a liberal broadcaster here in Britain, a liberal television network. Uh, called ITV. And ITV aired a package on the cost of living crisis that's currently reaping havoc in this country. And they they actually chose to represent a mother, a trans woman. Now, a trans woman cannot be a mother. Now, they chose Wait, what to do you mean? actually- What do you mean? What did they do? Well, so in a package, in a television package, on how this is affecting mothers and, and those raising children, for example, the cost of living crisis. It was an economy story. They, an economy story, exactly. They chose to air a package with a trans person on motherhood, on what the cost of living, the economy, the, the fall in, the rise in inflation and all the rest of it is actually doing to mothers. They chose to choose a, a trans woman to actually so get across this message. Uh, yes, exactly. A biological man. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And guess what, Megan? This individual uploaded a picture of himself to his Twitter account in which he has a, a baby cradled in his arms and he oh is God. attempting to breastfeed this child. Oh that God. man does it's not abuse. have breasts. If It is sick. It is sick. It's a sick delusion. And ITV... This liberal broadcaster has actually chosen to air, to give a platform to someone that is trying to do this to a child. If you ask me, Megan, that is nothing short of child abuse. And I think someone should be seriously investigating that sort of thing. No, it is. But that, it is. That, 
And it's exactly that's why, Megan, him, that, that this, the thing this is so angry. Like, it's bad enough that it happens at all because that's that's a man yeah. working out his own psychological issues on a baby who actually does need real breast milk or formula, real food from a loving parent. So that's bad enough. But for a television station to highlight it and and highlight him as a woman, a repre- representative of motherhood, is completely hashtag part of the problem. It's we're up against so much. Like they want to look at us and tell us we're bad, we're crazy, we're the ones who need help. They are. I mean, this is a sickness that we're fighting and I don't know where it ends. I really don't. I'm I'm deeply concerned about all. Well, of it. it ends um, in, in see, yeah. you know, the Gallup poll, which shows that actually there's a 10 year collapse in support for uh, gay relationships, in acceptance of gay relationships. That's the United States of America going back 10 years and saying, you know, we're not going to support this stuff anymore if that's what it means Do to you, be part of this Are you saying, movement. Darren, that the, that the public support for gay marriage is, go, is going down? Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it, it definitely is. And that's, I think, a direct consequence of the pushing of this dangerous and divisive ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised. That This is the backlash, right? This is why the LGBT exactly. needs to separate from the T ASAP. There's there's a bunch of letters for you, right? It's like it's damaging gay men in innumerable ways, lesbian women as well. Um, The divorce has to take place, but it hasn't. Now, let me let me shift gears just slightly and ask you about something in our news uh, here in the States, which is our Department of Defense has chosen to highlight a transgender major. It's a man who's going as a woman by the name of Major Rachel Jones. And the U.S. Army tweeting this story out um, that that that's entitled Living Authentically Saves Soldiers Life. They talk about how Major Rachel Jones, again, who is a man going as a woman, is, quote, living her truth and goes on about how this person used to be really wrestling with the fact that he had to hold the fact that he really wanted to be a woman private. And now, thanks to this change in policy under President Biden, he can live his, quote, truth and let the freak flag fly. He's going to go around as a woman in an army uniform and the actual men are going to have to walk past the desk with the she, her label and presumably fight alongside this person and do all the things that our soldiers do without noticing or commenting on the fact that it's a man who is masquerading as a woman. Absolutely. And I dare say, you know, were anyone hoping to be to be highlighted by the Department for Defense and they said things like what we've just been discussing, you know, they said things that actually men simply cannot become women and vice versa. And actually a man will never be a mother and all of these quote unquote controversial things to say, Megan, they would never, ever be given a platform because, you know, the the, the movement that says it's tolerant and, and pro-diversity love diversity unless it's the diversity of thought. And it's it just makes a mockery. You know, tomorrow you're celebrating your nation's freedom and independence. And actually, that freedom and independence, you know, my grandfather served with Americans in 1952 in the Korean War. Now, he was fighting for the values that the United States represent and the United Kingdom represent of freedom of democracy, freedom from communist tyranny, freedom from oppression, when actually now we're making a mockery of the sacrifice that brave, brave men and 
frankly, boys have offered to, to protect not the United States of America, but to protect freedom elsewhere too. The, the flag used to represent a, a beacon of, of hope, aspiration, freedom, liberty, all of these really important things that aren't just slogans. They mean something, they're tangible, that they must be protected and they have been protected with lives, with, with sacrifice. And now we air people and say they're brave, Megan, brave. Are they brave like those boys that froze to death in Korea who had icicles hanging off of their fingers? The, the, are we, they brave like the mothers who didn't get to see their children come home because boys were fighting in foreign lands for the, the values that the United States flag represents? How dare you say that these people are brave? How dare you give them a platform and use the word brave like that? It is not brave to say that you are Arthur one day and Martha the next. Don't be so mm. ridiculous, condescending, patronizing. And think about the it's position brave. this puts the others in. That's the thing. Is like we, we're they're, they're given no choice but to sit there like, okay, yes, we support, we see, we believe. Meanwhile, they have other things they need to be worried about. They, this is such a distraction to any person who is... Uh, part of the mainstream. I mean, the vast majority of Americans would be very uncomfortable next to this male one day, female the next, who now we have to call by a new name and ignore the lipstick on. And this is at a time when our military recruitment is at record lows. There was a great piece in The Spectator today by Lou Aguilar. I recommend it to everybody. I tweeted it if you want to get it, but you can go to spectator.org. And um, Lou writes, uh, of course, he says, OK, the following. Hold on. Yeah. America's, um, he says, of course, America bashing education alone, because he railed about that, about how you go to school today, and all you hear is about how bad America is, has not dampened young men's pro-military fervor. The current sad, woke state of the Biden administration's Pentagon leadership is equally, if not more, off-putting. Whereas boys once idolized Generals Washington, Jackson, Grant, Pershing, Roosevelt, and Patton, and Admirals Perry and Nimitz, all they now see are pathetic losers like General Mark White Rage Milley and Lloyd Where's My Mask Austin, now the Secretary of Defense, not to mention the, the best-known admiral, who is Rachel Levine, formerly known as Richard, yes. um, who's, you know, now they're supposed to look up to this and see this is a reason to join the military. It's not happening. And that's why we're at record lows now on military recruitment. The numbers are the army missed its recruitment goals by 25 percent in 22. In 23, it's projected to be 15,000 soldiers, uh, soldiers short. Similarly, the Navy expected to miss its target by 10,000 this year. And how, I mean, how depressing was it to see the the same department actually put out, the Navy changed its its graphics during Prize Month until we all said how ridiculous and they changed them back. But they actually changed it to progress pride branding as if, a con you know, if, if America is going to start bombing the nation abroad to defend its interests. Oh, but, you know, it's got the pride flag on it. So that makes it OK. It's diverse. So it's diverse bombing. You know, you're taking a progressive plundering. <laughs> so that's OK. How ridiculous. Of course, people are going to be turned away from this. And dare I say, at the most dangerous moment that we've known since since the Cold War, to actually turn around and 
put out these kinds of images, it says to China, it says to President Xi, it says to Russia, it says to President Putin that the United States is a joke, that the United States, you know, you're going to be fighting people that don't know whether or not they're Arthur or Martha. They don't know, you know, whether or not you're calling them the right pronouns and that's what they care about and all the rest of it. And it's ridiculous. It makes the United they're, States. They are, they look are bud weak. lighting the American military. They're bud it's lighting true. the That's very military. true. Yes. They're Dylan changing Mulvaney. the brand yeah. of the very organization. It, exactly. You do. And once you do that, you actually make it more dangerous for the United States and its allies. Because, of course, the United States is still a key ally when it comes to things like NATO. And, and actually, you know, Megan, I from here, from abroad, I'm actually saying I wish Ronda, I know this might make me unpopular with some of your audience, but I wish Ron DeSantis would actually win because I want the West to look at the United States challenging this kind of wackery and walkery and standing up instead for flag and country and say we need to copy and emulate the United States of America. Mm-hmm. I hope to almighty God, Megan that we do not emulate the United States of America right now when it comes to the kind of things that the Navy, the defense services are putting out. Right. Of course. And we don't know. We'll we'll see whether Trump has evolved on the issue, as we speculated a short time ago. We know where DeSantis stands. Absolutely. Against I look forward to you interviewing him, Megan. I me too. Darren Grimes, what a (laughs) pleasure. So nice to speak with you. Thank you so much for being here. Absolute pleasure. Good to be with you. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I want to tell you that yesterday we were in church uh, here at the beach. And, you know, there's always the final hymn and everybody stands up and sings it together. And we did that. And without missing a beat, um, we went right into, uh, you know, the guy at the front who sings. He plays an amazing acoustic guitar, this guy. Um, went right into America the Beautiful. And everybody started singing together. We were standing. It was such a beautiful moment. It gave me the chills. It just filled my heart with pride, with patriotism. I was, and it was standing room only, by the way, at church. Standing, literally there were people who had to stand. It was almost like an Easter or Christmas at church. So just to hear that many people singing about our country and how beautiful it is, our amber waves of grain. It was just so great. It got me in the mood. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I really like that piece I just mentioned to you in The Spectator and by, by Lou Aguilar. It's, it's headlined, The Star-Spangled Banner Still Waves. The, he- the subhead is, as the Supreme Court reminded us last week, we're still the land of the free. 
And he reminds us, Lou does, of the story behind our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. It goes back to September 13th, 1814. I'll give you just a bit in case you didn't learn it or forgot it. British warships fired a seemingly endless barrage of shells and rockets on Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor for 25 hours. How just weeks earlier, the British had taken Washington, D.C. and burned the Capitol building in the White House. From the deck of an English ship eight miles away, arrested 35-year-old lawyer Francis Scott Key saw the U.S. flag flying over the fort through the bombardment, fully expecting the Union Jack to take its place in the morning. In the tranquil yet smoke-filled dawn, he watched the stars and stripes still fluttering above the embankment, signaling an American victory. The choked-up Key turned his thoughts and observations into a poem, which became a song, and in 1931, the national anthem. Of course, a different story, a different song than uh, America the Beautiful, but so beautiful and just stirring, right, to listen to it. You know, anything that makes me feel good about the U.S., I embrace, and I'll be thinking about all of it tomorrow, as I know you guys will be. We'll do have a full uh, review on Wednesday. In the meantime, please enjoy your fourth, and God bless America. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.